This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Because life's just better with a book. Welcome to the Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore from the Centre for Public Christianity. In episode 28, we are delving into some new fiction and about time. Plus, we'll be selecting our best books for Christmas. Natasha has been reading books by two of her favourite ever authors, I think it's fair to say. All Our Shimmering Skies by Trent Dalton is the much-anticipated second novel from the creator of Boy Swallows Universe. Set in the Northern Territory around the time of the bombing of Darwin, it's the story of a young girl who wants to undo a curse that has been placed on her family. Jack is the new novel from the Pulitzer Prize winning author Marilyn Robinson. It's the latest offering in the highly acclaimed Gilead series. It tells the story of the prodigal son Jack and his love interest, an African-American high school teacher called Della. But first, here's a little taste of All Our Shimmering Skies by Trent Dalton. This epitaph is ugly, Molly, Violet says. Your grandfather has tarnished his life story with bluster and vengeful thoughts. An epitaph should be graceful and it should be true. This epitaph is only one of those things. An epitaph should be poetic, Molly. Molly turns to her mother. Like the writing on Mrs Salmon's grave, Mum? Here lies Peggy Salmon who fished for love and wine. Though it was no feast nor famine, she always dropped a line. Will you promise me something, Molly? Yes. Promise me you will read all of the poetry books on the shelf by the front door. I promise, Mum. Will you promise me something else, Molly? Yes, Mum. Promise me you will make your life graceful, Molly. Promise me you will make your life grand and beautiful and poetic. And even if it's not poetic, you'll write it so it is. You write it, Molly. You understand? Promise me your epitaph won't be ugly like this. And if someone else writes your epitaph, don't make them struggle to write your epitaph. You must live a life so full that your epitaph will write itself. You understand? Will you promise me that, Molly? I promise, Mum. That was All Our Shimmering Skies by Trent Dalton. G'day, Natasha. Hey, Katrina. How you going? Yeah, good. I'm excited to talk about this one. I thought you might be. (laughs) Yeah. So All Our Shimmering Skies is the new novel from Australian author Trent Dalton. The creator of the incredibly popular Boy Swallows Universe released his second novel in 2020. All Our Shimmering Skies is the story of a young girl, Molly Hook, living in the Northern Territory at the time of the bombing of Darwin. She comes from a troubled family background, but she somehow has the tenacity to protect herself from danger and create a new life for herself. Natasha, I love the title of this book. It really implies this sense of looking up. Is that one of the themes of the novel? It really is, actually, now that you mention it. Um, The sky... (laughs) The day sky and the night sky are kind of almost characters in this book. And one of the one of the beautiful things about it is the front cover of the book, which is so, so pretty. So if you're considering getting this one in ebook, don't, don't. I no. mean, I know I always say that, right? About ebook or audiobook, but for this one particularly. There are so it. many things hidden on the front cover. Australian icon, so many images. I think you could pretty much just have a Where's Wally kind of game. And the whole thing shimmers. 
Oh, I want a physical copy of this book for Christmas. Um, Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) is anyone listening? Um, So the narrator of All Our Shimmering Skies is Molly Hook. She's the grave digger's daughter. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about her family situation? Yeah, so Molly is, I mean, for most of the novel, she's a 12-year-old girl. She um, is the daughter and the niece of the local grave diggers, her dad Horace and her uncle Aubrey, and they are not the most functional of men, let's say. Her home life is not an easy one uh, and she spends her time, you know, digging graves, but she is also a very kind of fierce and energetic and ambitious and lovely girl who kind of wants adventure and kind of wants to make something of her life. And um, she's lost her mother early on, but her mother kind of really wanted that for her to have this kind of poetic, graceful, um, adventurous life. Now, I don't want to spend the entire time comparing it to Boy Swallows Universe, but I do have a couple of questions along those lines because that is such a well-regarded book, such a loved book. This story also features a child narrator. That seems to be the most obvious link, but are there other features in common with Boy Swallows Universe? Um, I mean, Molly is not the narrator, like she's kind of the centre of the novel, but shes it's not in her voice, it's kind of about her. I think in some ways... Uh, it has a similar feel to Boy Swallows Universe. It's got the same kind of uh, magical, realist vibe to it. I think what felt really different for me is almost, and this was the thing that I just adored about Boy Swallows Universe, is that, you know, the character of Eli and uh, the people that he's surrounded by, like if you if you read about him in a social work file, you'd be like, this is so grim. This is a disaster. Everything is terrible in this boy's life. But from the inside of, you know, him and the people around him, like they're in some grim situations, but they also have so much joy and it kind of his Dalton's writing kind of transfigures that whole situation um, and makes it shimmer, I guess. And he sort of, he performs that magic trick again in this book, but the difference is that instead of being a quite ordinary suburban sort of childhood that's transformed by this style, it's already this kind of crazy, quirky, all these unusual kind of characters. And so the kind of transfiguring it to this like magical realism thing is a bit like, well, they already match. It was already these kind of absurd characters. And um, so I think for me, I didn't feel that contrast as much and that almost made me not care as much about the characters. I don't know. Because this one is also uh, set back in 1942 at the time of the Mm. bombing of Darwin, whereas, you know, the other story was like a modern-day story and also semi-autobiographical. Yeah, childhood in the 80s, so I had, you know, some more (laughs) connection to the story. So was he still able to create that sense of, you know, really being there Yeah, I mean, it's been described as like a love letter to Australia. And I think it is that. It has some, um, you know, I I learned some things about the bombing of Darwin that I really didn't know. I think I, we kind of vaguely know that Darwin was bombed, but I haven't studied that in any depth or read kind of eyewitness accounts. and, And I don't know how fully accurate his account is, but you really get the sense of being there and the devastation. And then it's, also got this beautiful sense of place in terms of Molly actually ends up, she, um, along with her uncle's 
girlfriend um, who's an actress, uh, Greta, uh, and in the end a, a Japanese pilot who's crashed called Yukio. And the three of them are kind of on this quest into uh, the wilderness in the Northern Territory. And, you know, I would love to know <laughs> how accurately it's based on place. Um, I think you spent some time in the Northern Territory, but it makes the whole place sound like this fairy tale, gorgeous kind of wonderland. You know, you think of the Northern Territory as very dry. Um, and of course it is in many ways, but also um, the plant life and the wildlife. And so much of this you would think was fantasy if it were not the Northern Territory, mm. which you know, is its own kind of world in terms of all the things that live there and don't live anywhere else or mm. not many other places. My husband's been up to Arnhem Land quite a few times and it definitely does have that magical feel about it. It feels like mm. almost being in another in another country. I mean, one of the things Trent Dalton does beautifully in his writing is bringing small characters, small moments to life through this very vivid detail. Mm. Is that something that he does well in this book too? Yeah, I guess it's it's essentially a quest narrative. So it feels very episodic um, and a lot of that is is very vivid, very rich. I really do want to see a movie of it, I think, because I want the visuals of these places, you know, this amazing creek that she travels up and comes across these crocodiles as she goes, um, but that's called Candlelight Creek because... Um, it's completely dark because of the um, trees that have grown over it. Um, these these very kind of separate episodes in her journey to kind of find the the Aboriginal elder who she believes has cursed her grandfather and her whole family um, because he stole their, their gold, etc. You know, that's a whole story. But it does feel like these kind of separate episodes and each one is like wonderfully sketched and I guess that's a particular sort of story right it's one thing after another but I think somehow that grabs me less I gotta say than what happened in Boy Swallows Universe. Okay so what is good about this book and who do you think would enjoy it? Uh, many things are good about it. Uh, Trent Dalton's language is amazing. He's a great writer. Um, his prose is wonderful. The joy is still there, um, the kind of wonder of life. He really majors on that and he's great at that. Um, and I actually, a couple of people who have said to me, I mean, uh, to me, I don't think it's possible to not like, to not love Boy Swallows Universe, but there are a couple of people who've said to me, yeah, I didn't like it that much, but I really liked this one. <laughs> so maybe particularly if you weren't as crash hot on Boy Swallows Universe as like all the rest of us, maybe you should give this one a go. Um, but okay. I think, you know, for those of us who loved Boy Swallows Universe and just think that Trent Dalton's writing is amazing, I, I, I'm just going to read everything that he writes. Like I, I wouldn't rank this one higher than Boy Swallows Universe, but I'm still I'm keen for whatever he writes next. You're still hooked. Okay, great. Our next book is the latest release by the Pulitzer Prize winning American novelist Marilyn Robinson. Jack is the prodigal son of a Presbyterian minister in Iowa. He falls in love with an African-American high school teacher who, like him, is the daughter of a preacher. Jack and Della are drawn to each other in an intense spiritual connection, but there is a mountain of obstacles keeping them apart. Natasha has been looking forward to reading this for quite some time. Did it live up to your expectations? 
Yes, it did. I mean, I actually, because I love Marilyn Robinson, I love her writing, I love um, her novels in the Gilead universe. I was, I did have a slight reservation about this one before it came out because it's about Jack, who is a character who features in the earlier novels in Gilead and Home and Lila. Um, But he's kind of the, he's the difficult character. He's hard to like. Um, He's you know, caused a lot of pain to a lot of the other people in the novels who care about um, and he's a bit kind of hard to understand or to know why everyone is so for him even though he does so much harm to other people. Um, And so I was like, oh, am I going to like Jack as Mm. much as these other books? But um, she she pulled it off. <laughs> okay, so, I shouldn't have doubted her. <laughs> so I know that if you've read the other books, you've already met Jack before. But for those of us mm. who haven't read them, just tell us a bit more about who he is. Yeah. So Jack, his full name is John Ames Bowden, and he's named for John Ames, um, his godfather, who is uh, also the narrator of the first Gilead novel, Gilead, and his father is also a preacher. Uh, And he's from this large, loving, respectable family, you know, like many children who have all gone on to build these decent, uh, hardworking, loving lives. And from the time that he was a child, Jack is the one who just didn't fit in. Um, Everyone adored him. Everyone kind of wanted the best for him. But he was the one who'd kind of go off and break things just because he could or hurt people because he could or take things because he could. Um, And no one really understands why, least of all Jack, (laughs) we discover um, from living inside his head in this novel. So at the time of the novel, he's, it's actually earlier than the other Gilead novels. It's several years before those ones happen. And he's off being a bum in St. Louis in Missouri. He has been in jail for a little bit. Um, He is homeless on and off. He sometimes eats and sometimes doesn't. He's sometimes stealing. He's sometimes not. He's being chased by debt collectors. Like he's leading this very precarious existence, very different from the kind of warm, stable, loving, not like wealthy, but kind of middle-class family that he came from and that he's actively rejected and kind of won't go back to them. So if it's set earlier, that means you already know how it's going to turn out. You do, yes. I mean, it's probably a given that you've read at least one of the other books. Like you wouldn't have to for Jack, but I think it does help. You You know what's being illuminated by being inside Jack's head if you know what happens later. I just get the feeling it's not going to have a happy ending. Well, I mean, it's (laughs) the thing about Marilyn Robinson's writing is that the ending isn't really the point. (laughs) Um, Like plot isn't her biggest thing. So in Gilead, you know, some people's complaint, the people who don't love it as much as I do, is that nothing much really happens. Or at least, I mean, nothing much happens in the book until Jack comes along, actually. But um you know, it's more about the kind of reflections on life and um, being conscious, being human um, and the kind of agony of that and the joy of that and what we make of that. So, you know, her, her writing is very poetic. Um, she's Her prose is just gorgeous. Um, and her reflections on life and how we actually understand ourselves and stuff. So, you know, that's kind of more of a challenge for someone like Jack who, you know, John Ames, the narrator of, of Gilead, is a really lovable 
man and he's kind of led this really kind of this life for others he has this very deep rich faith that comes out in everything he says so to be occupying jack's consciousness his inner world which is so much kind of grimmer in a lot of ways i think is much more of a challenge for for robinson for the writer but it's the fact that she kind of pulls that off and we have this you know we do kind of identify with him and get him um, and get why he doesn't really get himself. I think that's a real achievement, actually. Mm. I've heard the book described as a Calvinist romance. Um, <laughs> can can you explain great. that? Is it even? Is it a love story? Um, it is a love story. I mean, it's it's a little tragic. Not that the you know you asked about the ending. Um, it's not that it ends badly, and you do know if you've read the other books that. Uh, he and Della do in some sense end up together, like they have uh, a kid together and they're not allowed to get married because it's against the law at the time because um, he's white and she's black um, and there are laws about that uh, in Missouri and several other states um, in the 40s and 50s. So, but the fact is that like when they come across each other, they just have this connection which you could read as rom-com-esque, I suppose, a sort of love at first sight, or you could, I suppose, read it more in the within the Calvinist frame of Marilyn Robinson's theology and her way of looking at the world, um, that this is almost something that's like ordained. So there's a way that Della puts it at one point in the book where she just kind of talks about having, when she met Jack, just kind of having seen his soul and that when you see someone like that, you can't then unsee that, like you can't turn away, like God is kind of putting this before you. Um, so even though, you know, he's a bum and she's this respectable teacher and she's going to like lose her job if people find out that she's seeing him and they can't get married and her family won't approve and he knows that it's best for her if he leaves her alone. So there's this kind of impossible love story. It just feels as though it has been chosen for them and they don't make the choice Um, and they actually try hard to make the choice not to see each other several times but keep kind of not quite sticking to that. Mm. Their relationship sounds very spiritual so do you think it's a book that would appeal to people who are more interested in spiritual things? It's interesting that Marilyn Robinson who is a Christian herself and who writes about yeah, like hardcore theology actually in a lot of ways. But she appeals not just to people who are Christians or who are into theology at all. Like she's not a religious writer in the sense of, you know, she writes for the religious market or something. Like people who are not all interested or don't think that they're all interested in Christianity or possibly the spiritual find that they, her writing is really compelling and they care about the kinds of things that you know, her characters care about. Um, And the fact that she um, couches kind of the big questions of life, like about, you know, am I good and do I want to be good and why am I like this, which is not how I want to be um, and what is actually meaningful in life and why is everything so hard? Like all these questions are actually spiritual questions um, and she kind of helps us see that. Um, So I think if you're a person who is very into like, like you just read thrillers and page turners, Marilyn Robinson is probably not for you. (laughs) But I wouldn't say that, you know, if you're a spiritual or not a spiritual person, like I think she's still for you. If you're someone who likes to think about stuff deeply. 
Marilyn Robinson's for you. And do you think you need to read the other books before you tackle Jack? Um, I would read Gilead before tackling Jack. This is what I've been advising people. Um, I don't think you have to read all of them. Like Jack's the new one, so it's nice to kind of read the new one, right? Mm. But I think you will be much more oriented if you read Gilead and then you could skip to Jack. But then you should definitely go back to Lila in particular and also home. Obviously, you'll want to read all of them once you've read one, right? (laughs) Okay, take your word for it, Natasha. (laughs) I've got Gilead on my bedside table. Yes. Victory. It hasn't been picked up yet, but it's sitting there. <laughs> it's pole position. <laughs> and only because of you. So <laughs> uh, it's my right. good deed for the day. <laughs> Looking forward to reading it over the summer. Now, I have to say one of the best things about the summer, the Christmas season, is the excuse to buy more books. Natasha, what's on your shopping list? Oh, my shopping list for me or my shopping list for other people Both. for Christmas? I mean, that's the joy. Like you can buy more books because you can wish list what you want, you know, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. friends and family. Plus you can go out and buy them for your nephews and nieces and yep. all your friends yep. or whoever. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple I've, – I've been trying to buy less books. Um, I'm not totally <laughs> succeeding. But I am that? trying to complete my Dorothy Sayers Lord Peter Whimsey collection. Okay. I'm very close to having a full set. Um, and uh, I slightly kind of nudged my book club into reading a book of sh- short stories um, called Smart Ovens for Lonely People that I'm looking forward to getting hold of. And it has a great cover. We're all about the covers, right? Okay, (laughs) cool. Um, For other people, I've actually bought for a couple of people for Christmas. And if you're someone who I buy for for Christmas and you're listening, maybe don't listen to this before Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I bought The Undoing for a couple of people. There's a TV show, there's a TV series out of it now with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. So the book is actually called You Should Have Known, but they've retitled it and brought out a new cover to be in line with their TV series. Have you so already read the that? Yes. That's good. So I have just read that one. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, it's very, it gets marketed as a thriller and I think they made the TV series a thriller, but actually it's something quite different to that. So it's about a woman whose like husband disappears and there's also a murdered mother at her school. And it's a cross between like Big Little Lies and Flashman is in trouble would be my take. Okay, yeah. there you go. Um, so that's my big, you know, the one I'm getting for a few people at Christmas. How about you? Well, I'm hoping to receive a copy of Trent Dalton's All Our Shimmering Skies because I need that mm-hmm, beautiful cover mm-hmm. on my bookshelf. You do. Um, but oh, I've already bought a few. So I've got my dad, General Sir Peter Cosgroves, you shouldn't have joined because my dad's from a military family. I thought he'd oh. love that. Um, for my niece in New Zealand, I bought the Ichabog, the new J.K. Rowling oh, one. It's beautiful. Yeah, well. it's beautiful. And I hope she's going to love that. Um, my nephew's really into the Rangers Apprentice series. And the sad thing about this is that his sister owns all the books, right? Owns them all, but he wants his own copy in his room. So I've got him a couple of those. And um, for my older niece who's a teen, a friend of mine, Kristen Young, wrote a young adult dystopian book called The Love Collective, which I really enjoyed. Oh. Kind of like a Hunger Games style thing, um, but by a local Lithgow-based author. So I bought that for my 
teenage niece. That's a good hint. Yeah. I'm also thinking um, two that you've recommended to me before, um, Natasha. A lot of my family, we like to read a few murder mysteries over the summer. So Louise Penny's Still Life and Solari Mm -hmm. Gentil's A Few Right Thinking Men, they're on my list as well as to give as gifts. Oh, exciting. Yeah, I didn't put my, um, because I've got some children's ones as well. Yeah. What are they? Let um, us know. So my nephew, I've bought him. He's very into plants. So I've bought him the big book of flowers, which is like this very large book and it just looks gorgeous and it has some great pages on like, you know, flowers that eat people and so on, plants mm-hmm. that eat people. Um, and also the new treehouse book. I think it's 130. Is that the one we're up to? Wow. Yeah. Are we that far? I think the last yep. one I bought was 117. So, yeah, that would be mm-hmm. 130. Yep. I didn't know that was out yet. There you go. Yeah. Um, and I've bought my niece the first one in the Phoenix Files, which is um, a kind of dystopian series as well by Chris Morphew, a local author. Mm, I have heard own. that's good. And... I actually, I was in, um, shout out to the Little Lost Bookshop in Katoomba. Mm-hmm. I was there a couple of weeks ago. That's Carl Grice's bought, bookshop, is it? That's right. Mm-hmm. For Carl. And I bought a great little, um, like, board book for one of my goddaughters, um, who's very little, um, called Press Here. And it's got a little yellow dot on the cover and you, like, press things, except, like, you don't like they've just painted but then things happen on the next page and it's really cute oh i think i've heard about that book yeah yeah that sounds good interactive books are fun for little people yeah oh well sounds like it's gonna be a great christmas i know (laughs) hopefully nobody we know is listening to this yet (laughs) hopefully they've skipped ahead and done the honorable thing Well, that wraps up our new fiction slash Christmas episode of the Hope Book Club. In this episode, we have reviewed All Our Shimmering Skies by Trent Dalton and Jack by Marilyn Robinson. Thanks for listening to the Hope Book Club Chrissy edition uh, because Christmas is just better with lots of books, really. Agreed. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.